Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A friend of yours was making fun of us because he was like, you guys make this point at the start of every sprinkles about like, oh, you've had so much great email, so many great listener contributions. We couldn't get to all of them. But then we'll like happily yammer on about our ball movements or your ball sack. They come for the listener insights. They stay for your scrotal sack. I've been thinking this week that we really need uh, a, a better word than listeners because we've got this with this community of people who are obsessed with succession. The word community is also bad. It is, but I'm, I'm just saying yeah, yeah, that's yeah, who okay. we are with this gang. Is there anything that's directly related to the podcast? Are, are these people who have a succession itch to scratch? Does that make them crotch scratchers? No, that, that, no. that doesn't roll off the tongue. What about NRPIs? Not real people. Yeah, no real person involved. Yeah, I don't mind that one. Like referring to all of us as not real people involved. That does feel kind of right, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. We had so many nice letters. Ready for the first one? Yep. This comes from Kristen. A.K.A. Emily Dickinson and Low Thread Count Sheets. Hello, FC and NC. Thank you for bringing joy to this St. Paul hometown of Tom Wamsgam's residence life with your podcast. A couple of things I can't stop thinking about from this week's episode. Number one, Succession loves to show us a perfectly prepared lobster only to have it go uneaten. (laughs) On the beach, Josh offers Kendall and Logan a seafood lunch complete with gigantic lobsters that all sit lifeless in their bowl. It reminds me of the premiere episode of season two, The Summer Palace, when Logan makes the Hampton staff throw out a gorgeous seafood and lobster lunch because he says it has dead raccoon stink on it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping those aren't real lobsters. I'm sure they're real lobsters. This eating thing is out of control. You, okay. ha- you have to like swallow the food before you talk. I'm sorry. Guys. I don't mean to shame you for this. Oh, my God. This was like when those girls accused me of shaming them at this stand-up show that I did. <laughs> Basically, I was doing this stand-up gig, and these three young women came in, and they were really late, and they showed up in the front row. And then I sort of, I sort of had to make fun of them and acknowledge that situation, and they'd come from a dinner. Fine. And then I'm sort of trying to do this thing and they're like sort of chatting and continuing to go into their bags and take out noisy food. And so I said to them, ladies, we've we've just had dinner. Can with the noisy food, can we just quit it here? Because you're not home watching TV. And this girl was like, Don't food shame us. And I was like, I hope that you die. Like <laughs> tell your parents that you don't deserve to live. And I said so. It was so the way they took their own 
um, like sort of entitlement moving through the world and made it about me shaming them made me weep for the future. Thank you. I like to think that they weren't. As a vegetarian, I do like to think that they maybe weren't real lobsters. They were prop lobsters. Does succession seem no, like No, it doesn't, but I don't, I don't want to think about that. Point number two, this week's episode got into some anti-Semitism. Josh is presented as a Jewish character, one who hangs a mezuzah. Mezuz. Mezuz. at his modernist beach house. In the lead up to the meeting, we hear Roman call Josh a chiseler, and Frank says Josh wants his pound of flesh during the meeting. Logan refers to Josh as counting gold in his castle. And Kendall calls out Logan's anti-Semitic remark about Josh being far away from a coffee and a bagel. As the Jewish half of the uh, the podcast, I think you're far more qualified to talk about the introduction. of. <laughs> Interestingly, the- I didn't hear coffee and bagel as anti-Semitic. I heard it as like a New Yorker. Oh, you see, I heard it as anti-Semitic because so I, f- I feel like it's a um, New Yorker even or East Coast or metropolitan can all be code word, all, all sort of anti-semitic right right words. right i think that is right was it all just there to sort of help us remember who these people are i, th- I think so i That's think there's been I a thought. few things recently where they've just wanted to remind us that however lovable we find logan he is despicable in any number of yeah. ways and then finally how did i forget to mention tom's three ring binder on prisons there's no way an assistant would have uh, made that for him, right? Did he actually put it together himself? Plastic page sleeves and all. Is there a section on toilet wine? Well, first of all, that is that that just incredible. feels true to the character. That Tom, yes. who's at ATN, he's not a television person, but all of a sudden he's the boss of this network, is sitting in that office on his own, printing off and laminating and, and making a binder about prisons. That feels so true to the character, doesn't it? And, and it also feels like Tom would have at a certain point been capable of asking someone to do that for him but of course that someone would be greg and greg is now yes not the right man for that job anymore yeah. i i thought that was a, an especially brilliant observation i did a bit of research on toilet wine remember it made me feel kind of gaggy so what you do is you, you get a load of fruit or sweet stuff like ketchup or gummies and you put them in a bag with some fruit cocktail and you you bash that bag up. You'd use like a uh, a bin bag or a garbage sack, as you would call it, right? Mm-hmm. Then maybe you'd hide it under the mattress or uh, in, in the cistern of the toilet, hence the name toilet wine. Then you get something like a bread roll, mm-hmm. which has the yeast in it. And then you, you put that in and you bash it around a bit more and, and leave it longer. Mm-hmm. That releases gas into the bag, which is tightly sealed. And then every now and again, you have to burp it which mm-hmm. is to let the gas out of the bag mm-hmm. and then reseal it. Mm-hmm. You do that over a few days, I think, mm-hmm. and it starts to ferment and become alcoholic. Well, I feel sad now, but thanks for that. Do you want to sign <laughs> off from this NRIP? I will. Fuck off and keep up the good work. Emily Dickinson and Low Thread Count Sheets. I don't love NRIP in the mouth No real person I do kind of like. Okay, let's try it on this one. This comes from No Real Person, Phoebe, a.k.a. Little Lord Fuckleroy. Dear Miss Crotch and Mr. Core, great. Great. You invited young listeners to get in touch who want to see more Roman and Jerry, and here I am, age 29. I think there's a few things going on for me. Some parts are hotter than others. Number one, not hot. Roman's shame kink slash sexual psychology. It's interesting, as the excellent listener explained last week, but it's not sexy. Fair. Number two, quite hot. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the right one. You're always saying that, darling, when I start to spiral about something. 
There's great chemistry between the two characters. If you watch Roman in most scenes, his eyes follow Jerry, and that kind of infatuation is compelling. Interestingly, I don't really want to see them hook up, as the will-they-won't-they they is probably the best part. Edging. Yeah. Oh, I feel that uh, edging. So about edging makes me feel like I'm going to gag as well. Is it the word? <coughs> I don't know, but I'm gagging now. Number three. You know me always eating or gagging. <laughs> Number three. Hot. While Roman's interest in Jerry might be more than just sex, what she gets out of it is the most interesting part. It might be a good business move for her, and I'm sure she does care for Roman. But also, you so rarely used to see an older woman, especially a dull at first glance corporate lawyer and mother. I just want to say I never found her dull at first glance. She just didn't feel sexual at first glance. That's for me. Presented as sexual and powerful. Despite Roman's wealth, she holds almost all the cards and seems at ease with herself even if she doesn't fully know yet what her situation with Roman means. She survived working for the Roys, and if she can get an ego boost and catch a dick in the process, then good for her. On on the sometimes the simplest explanation is the right one, there's just great chemistry, I think that's right. But then that doesn't invalidate point one, which is there is an underlying reason for everything with all of us. I think She's you can still find you can still find it like a, an exciting dynamic without thinking about what bleak things happened in Roman's childhood to get him there, right? Yes, I think that one of the reasons that we've all gone so hard on the Roman analysis is a little less about what fucked up thing happened that he found an older woman sexy and more about his impotence and the way that things played out with his more traditional girlfriend. And it's not just that he finds her sexy, it's that that there's this dynamic where there's no physical contact. And she humiliates. He likes to be humiliated. Oh, it hurts me so much. That, that's what's interesting about it. But it's, it's like you can enjoy a good cheese sandwich without thinking how that cheese got on the sandwich. Well, vegans can't. No. All right, little Lord Fuckleroy, a.k.a. Phoebe, we thank you for your contribution. This comes from Jack. A.k.a. Westchester Judge Fucker. Hi, Sarah and Jeff. What do we think? Um, and I've had a, a couple of tweets about this as well. Um, what do we think of Logan's dismissive downgrading of the Beatles from Kendall's great band to good band? Seems like uh, a significant... Nah. To me, it appeared to be delivered with the familiar smugness of the pub bore who is about to list mm. a load of bands that were better than the Beatles. If only you'd been there, man. It seems obvious to me that Logan would have been more Stones than Beatles, but being the perfect age to have witnessed the 60s firsthand, where do we think Logan would have been during the Summer of Love? I imagine he'd have quite Nixonian views of the hippie movement, but I would uh, like to imagine him secretly trying a jazz cigarette and toughing into a bit of beef heart. Much love, stroke, fuck off. Westchester judge fucker. Well, obviously, I do have thoughts on this. Well, as... yes, and I thought it was so interesting. We didn't address this this week, just... and you're Mr. Beatles, and I thought, how did we let that go? So there's just so much in every episode. We don't get yes. time. Because there were two Beatles references. What was the other there one? There was on the conference oh, call, Kendall yes, refers Peppers. to it as the Sergeant Pepper of like corporate dysfunction yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And then there was this Beatles moment, which was actually, Josh says, good band. Kendall says, great band. And then Logan says, good band. And I, I, I read that really as Logan just being either contradictory or siding with Josh. So actually, his thoughts on the Beatles are completely irrelevant. We're back to this thing about what he does. What, what does he, he enjoy? enjoy? Like, you know, we, re- we read somewhere in an interview with Jesse. No, I think it was with Jeremy Strong. And Jesse Armstrong says, let me think about that for a bit. And then comes back with this sort of beautiful scene 
of when Kendall, as a boy, went to visit his dad at work. I would really like it if Jesse Armstrong could, like, let us know about Leisurely Logan. Oh, that would be so great. El Candy on Twitter pointed out that we've seen Logan watching sport on television. Yes, but that's less interesting. I'm so grateful for that detail. I don't mean that's yeah. less interesting. But we know about this sort of football club stuff, like... Is would he be interested in anything artistic? He must read. So, so if you are in your twenties during the sixties, and that amazing time of coming, not for everyone. <laughs> um, Can we quickly say that we were just giggling, not because of people having a difficult time in the sixties, but thinking about Greg's line. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not for everyone. Like he must, he must have been going out. He must have been doing stuff. Dear Jesse, if you ever listen to this, even if it's years in the future, am I making you uncomfortable? No. Dear Jesse, hi. If you ever listen to this, it's never too late. <laughs> and would you consider writing us just, I don't know, a couple pages on a day in Logan's life in 1968? Let's say like 68. Could yeah. we get a couple pages or a page? Or a paragraph. I think the Nixonian thing, the Nixonian thing is right. Yeah, and I don't that think he would have really had any right. time for the French students protesting and, and rioting. No, but he bet he, I bet he would have tried a jazz cigarette. Mm. Anything stronger? I mean, maybe something once, but but these things are about the elimination of pain and enjoying loss of control, and that is not Logan. I say this as someone who has basically never done any drugs. But what about the pain, though? Is he had his, an abusive uncle. We know uncle, that, but he used... He was separated from his parents. His mum died. I don't like talking about all that stuff. It okay. makes me very sad. But I do just want to say I think that's what he's used his power and his business acumen to take away those feelings. I mean, they're obviously still there. That's why he's so strange with his own children. Thank you, Westchester Judge Fucker, a.k.a. Jack. I thought that was a very beautifully written email. Very much so. 
Hey, FCNNC. I've been thinking about the layers thing. By layers, he's referring to Adrian Brody's costuming. I thought it was a smart coastal move being layered up as I live in Brighton. And when I moved, my dad, who lives on the Isle of, is that pronounced Aran? Aaron. Aaron. I've never heard of the Isle of Aaron. Have you heard of an Aaron knit sweater? No. I'm learning all the time. Uh, My dad, who lives on the Isle of Arran, said to me to layer up and to always be prepared as the weather can always turn on a sixpence. So I just thought Josh was prepared for the day. Best Mark, a.k.a. the shame sponge. You don't think it's just that he was Nash? No. Do you want to explain to everyone what Nash means? It's when you get cold when it's not that cold. It's, It's a kind of wimpiness or weakness. It's, it's oh, you think it's weakness? You've never said that? Because you always talk about how I'm Nash. You've never said that it was a weakness in me. Well, I know in the North that if you refer to someone as, as being Nash, you're ultimately saying something about their character as well. Oh, my God. Um, Slime Puppy sent me some pictures of where exactly that was all shot. It was filmed in Montauk, which is past the Hamptons on Long Island. Wait, I want to do a scene from another film. Mm. Meet me in Montauk. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I've also noticed that the internet is alight with, uh, with with jokes and memes about Adrian Brody and his layers in that scene. Yeah, I mean, it was very... We got a, a message from a friend of ours being like, oh, I bought a vet. Like, I, basically, he the next day, he tried to layer up like Adrian Brody. <laughs> and I actually, he was making fun of himself. I thought he looked good. He did look good. He did look good. And you know, you were talking about how Logan and Kendall kind of mirrored each other. Yes. And then we were talking about those hats they were wearing, yes. rich person baseball caps. RPBC. I did a bit of Googling and there's a quite possibly $1,395 baseball caps by Loro Piano. Oh my God. They must be made of the finest of wool. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of wool that doesn't itch you, right? Yeah. The next email comes from my mother. Mm. She wrote to us last week and we told her it wasn't good enough. She's written back this week. So this is from Lynn Barron, a.k.a. my mom, a.k.a. sassy little bitch. Hi, Sarah and Jeff. Hi, mom. I'm trying to up my game and thought I would write to you about rectal thermometers. We spoke about that a few episodes ago because my mother used to put a thermometer up my butt to take my temperature when I was little. It's difficult to remember exactly how that related to succession, but I think we could get into the weeds trying to unpack that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it Somehow we did. Somehow it did. She says, in the olden days, when I was a young mother, all thermometers had mercury, and there was a danger that a child could bite on an oral thermometer and therefore die of mercury poisoning. This was not a weird family thing nor a Jewish thing. It was simply that there were no other kinds of thermometers in those days. XOXO, sassy little bitch. It would be interesting to know how the infant mortality rate was affected by these thermometers, because I, I know a lot of people of a similar age to you. And you've never and heard of And I've never heard of anyone shoving, uh, sh- shoving the thermometer up the anus to avoid the mercury poisoning from thinking. biting. So I wonder if this is less that all these kids were dying from biting thermometers and, and more that your mum is a very anxious person and uh and and this is about that and now she's lovingly passed that anxiety onto you in the form of a severe phobia oh yes i have a severe um vomiting phobia but i have subsequently read books on it and it's an anxiety disorder that my parents bequeathed to me with their high levels of anxiety i'm not i mean i do blame them but also i think there's just a point where you go they fuck you up, your mom and dad, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think that that most other people weren't responding to the threat of mercury po- poisoning by putting a thermometer in their kids' butts. Okay, this comes from Jill. A.K.A. Volvo Genderbender Horseshit. We heard from Jill last week. It's nice to have you back. Hi. Shiv is used throughout as a diminutive of Siobhan, 
But the word shiv is also a word which means improvise knife. To shiv someone is to stab them. Cheers. Yeah, this is true. You have a little shiv in a prison, don't you? What? You, you make yourself some toilet wool. You fashion a shiv out of a toothbrush. For some reason, I find the shiv less disturbing than the toilet line. I don't know why that is. But basically, this was one of three letters that we had about why is no one saying that shiv has two meanings. And I thought, oh, great, let's just address, let's just make sure we've said it. Do, do we th- do we think that it's the type of show that would hide a clue in plain sight in the name of a character like that? I don't think she's going to really shiv them. Maybe we should have a, a shiv fashioning competition. No, I don't like that. No? Since my um, Connor with a ponytail art competition went so let's well. Let's be real. They don't want to make anything for us. Yes. That's the message I'm getting. I'm reading between the lines. Yeah. This is just a little quickie, but I liked it. This is from Ruth, a.k.a. Moaning Mini, just to say I loved your observations on the two sides of Naomi Pierce and noted her black and white dress this week. I never thought of it that way. Mm. Underlining the duality of her character, but also reminded me of Cruella DeVille. That's it. All right. Lastly, Jeff, do you want to take it home with our finer listener contribution this week? Yes, this comes from Lauren, a.k.a. A Timely Fucking Evian, who says, Hi, FC stroke NC. I am re-watching Succession from the start. It's received wisdom that you have to watch a few episodes before it gets good. To that, can I just say, fuck off. As soon as I saw that shot of Kendall in his car rapping along before the music fell away, I couldn't imagine not watching at least two more episodes. The whole sourdough exchange... Glorious. While I am conscious that I may be biased by having seen the rest of the shows, almost all of the characters are so perfectly formed so soon. Examples. One of the first time we see Cameron, he's explaining how he has vast water reserves and that eventually people will kill each other over water. The fact that when they say it's time to play the game, I immediately think, oh God, what absolutely awful, mega rich, problematic shit is this going to be? hunting people, making poor people fight to the death, even though it's just baseball. I could go on, but my groundbreaking conclusion, seemingly, is just succession is so good from the second it starts. Fuck off. Lauren, a.k.a. a timely fucking Evian. I could not agree more. I hard agree from me. Yeah. I this is I wanted to include this because we've talked we've spoken about this privately, which is that people talk about it not hitting the ground running. And if in the absence when this season is over and you're wondering what to do with yourselves, I highly encourage a rewatch because it will blow your mind how good it is from scene one, episode one. It's not like watching an early Seinfeld or Simpsons where they're brilliant and groundbreaking, but you have to think about the context of the time and then they get supercharged by their own success. It's it's just that good from the office. It hits the ground, right? It's so interesting. It's like this thing people really get wrong about it. Yeah, absolutely. I saw today on on Twitter, J. Smith Cameron and our friend Arian tweeting about a tweet where somebody had said they they can't watch more than one episode in a sitting because the people are so awful. Uh, And then I was looking at the replies and so many people just like, oh, yeah, they're too awful. I can't watch it. It's too nasty. Somebody said the character's one-dimensional, which is just the most ludicrous thing. I can't think of something with the more multi-dimensional This is what's so interesting, isn't it? Is that if someone wants to say, I can't watch such horrible people, that doesn't resonate with, like, I find that a crazy thing. But people are different. If someone says they're not one, that they're one dimensional, I think that person is just empirically an idiot. Because I have a thing where if if people are too nice, I can't watch it. 
Oh, uh, there's a PS here as well. I'm 29. So See, the, the youth, the youth like us, Jerry. I'm 29, so the upper end of the call out for young people who ship Jerry and Roman. But I do, I ship them. And Roman is disgusting, but Kieran Culkin is incredibly hot. I feel the exact opposite. I feel like Roman is kind of incredibly hot, but I think I find Kieran Culkin a little unsexy because of his hippie bracelets that I saw that he was wearing when he hosted SNL. <laughs> I don't think I could be put off by a hippie bracelet if, if other stuff was doing it for me. Very broadly speaking, women have an ability to be put off by an accessory in a way that a man would just be like, no, I'll just fuck. It's a thing I've learned in my life. I think, I think we're fairly much through the episode. I did have a question. Somebody like Jess. Yeah. When, when she goes home to say her partner or her roommate, what does she say about her day at work? So discretion must be part of it, but you need to unload somewhere, right? Yes. I do not believe she has a roommate. I feel strongly about this. I can see her apartment. I can see, I'm seeing her life. Does she have a boyfriend or girlfriend? She might, but I don't think she's living with a roommate. And I believe if she has a partner and I, you know, I projected straightness onto her. So I'm seeing her with a boyfriend. They live in an apartment. It's very organized. She has all her business lady outfits. And if she has a boyfriend, this guy is in investment banking. He's working 18-hour days, and they basically don't see each other. All right. A best friend, then. Is there anyone? She doesn't have a best friend. These people don't have friends. Is is there anyone to whom she's saying, my fucking boss has bought this rabbit, and he's sat up an iPad, That's now it is part of my job. Does anyone hear hear about the rabbit cam from Jess? Or, Or just the insanity that unfolds in her life every day? No. How ridiculous do you think she thinks all that is? Let me just think. A three out of ten. So it's like a bit of eye rolling, but the tiniest, and she, she would view that as this total betrayal. I always find that like funny when people like won't talk shit about other people. Because <laughs> I'm so willing to do it. And I don't like some people are like, well, I, I would just never, I would just never betray that. So that's sort of who she is. She would just never betray it. Dear Jesse, if you listen to this, it doesn't matter how long in the future. Does Jess talk to anyone? Does she complain to anyone about Rabbit Cam? Thank you. Love, love, Sarah. We got to wrap this shit up, buddy. All right. Uh, anything else you want from people? Just want to know what you've observed that we've missed. As pointed out by the Beatles thing or the Shiv thing, there's just, there's so much in these episodes, we can't get to all of it. And then you help us understand what we've missed. All right. The email address. Fuck off at firecotchandnormcore.com. See you after the shareholder meeting. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.